Hi, I'm Mel Majoros. I am a three-year cancer survivor. My blog, The Cancer Warrior, is one of the top ten breast cancer blogs according to blogs.com. I'm here to bring a fresh, upbeat perspective to a topic that to some may seem scary. A positive mental attitude got me through my cancer, and I hope to share that with you. Today we are talking ovarian cancer, amongst other things, with uh, survivor Sarah Feather. How are you today, Sarah? I'm well, thank you. Great. So uh, you are an inner tough girl like me. Uh, yes. <laughs> and um, I want to jump right in with your diagnosis, and then uh, we have a little more to your story that I want to share with our listeners. So sure. go right ahead. Well, my diagnosis was um, a, kind of a freak show. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> I have very, I have no family history of of deadly cancers of any kind. Um, we're actually most, both sides of my family are known for their longevity. My grandfather um, on my mom's side was 97 when he died of um, complications from diabetes. Oh. Um, I, his wife, my mother's mother, is <clears throat> excuse me, still alive and going strong at 104. Wow. Uh, my father's mother died um, just last year at 94. Um, and his father died at 87. Um, but So you have to be really, the oddball in the family, is everything? I had to be the oddball, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's long-lived and healthy, and I just had to be different. So, so when, um, I was diagnosed in May of 2006, mm-hmm. um, and I had been having all of the classic symptoms of ovarian cancer, bloating, um, fatigue, mm-hmm. um, unexplained weight gain, uh, pain, um, with intercourse, mm-hmm. like all of the classic signs about which I knew absolutely nothing right. because they're not well publicized right. in any way. Um, so I had nothing, I had no reference for any of this and I had brilliant explanations for all of them. Um, I was tired because I had an 18 month old mm-hmm. and a four year old. Yeah, that would make you tired. Yeah, two boys that mm-hmm. I was busy chasing. Um, and you know, I'd gained a little weight because we'd been to some birthday parties, and then it was Valentine's Day, and then it was Easter, and I just was eating weird. So I had Mexican food, exactly. Exactly. I started tr- trying a couple different protein bars to cut down on my portion size for lunch. So that explained the gassiness and the changes in my bowel habits. And mm-hmm. um, I had, you know, just brilliant, totally reasonable excuses for all these different symptoms. But the universe conspired to moved me uh, six months prior to my diagnosis into a house that happened to be around the corner from my OBGYN's house. Oh. And one morning she was walking down the street and my husband, who's um, an eternal worry wart. Oh, one of, those, one of those two, huh? I have the, yes. the same thing. So. Exactly. Happened to stop in conversation. He brought this up. He said, you know, Sarah's been having these sort of symptoms, X, Y, and Z, and what do you think? And she said, well, I'll come in and we'll get an ultrasound. And <clears throat> you know, I put it off and put it off. Oh, shoot. I get in bed and I think, damn it, I forgot to call today. I'll call tomorrow. And I'd get up tomorrow and completely forget about it until uh-huh. the end of the day again or right after the office closed or whatever. So eventually I got in um, for an ultrasound in April and it was inconclusive and the um, the tech couldn't really tell anything that she couldn't really see anything she said come back next week we'll try it again and I guess she got the same sort of inconclusive results so according to my doctor by this point she sort of had an inkling Mm -hmm. of what was going on Um, but I was a happy ostrich 
with my head in the sand. <laughs> yeah. and- she didn't want to share with you? Come on. See, that's one thing I hate. Right. Is like, I I would rather have that inkling. Yeah. Because I know, and, and I know that we both read um, probably the same articles. It's like, oh, you don't to give anyone any undue anxiety. And it's right. like, you know what? Give me a Xanax and yeah. tell me it could be cancer. Then right. Like you said, head in the sand and be like, do, 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 happy day. Oh, it's cancer. Was, then you're Yeah, just- I was really out to lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they brought me in for an MRI, mm-hmm. um, which showed an enlarged left ovary, mm-hmm. but like a millimeter in each direction enlarged, not football sized or right. medicine ball sized or whatever they <laughs> class them by these days. <clears throat> so they scheduled at this point, my, my doctor was still saying, you know, it's probably just a cyst. Um, she could palpate it internally and externally. Which means what? Which she never said, you know, this is ovarian cancer. Your blood mm-hmm. test has come back elevated. You know, it was not really that elevated. Mm-hmm. Um, what is what is the palpitation of the ovary? She did a, a pelvic exam. Oh, okay. So she could feel and she it. She could feel the tumor okay. from the inside, but also from the outside. Oh, okay. So it's thin enough that she could feel it through the wall of my pelvis. Okay. Um, and it was... You know, it was walnut size, but it was it oh. was sort of sore when she felt it. Yeah. Um, so you said, don't do that again, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Unless you like my elbow in your nose. <laughs> and so she said, well, let's let's schedule a laparoscopy to take out the cyst, and you know, it'll probably be just that and a cyst, and you'll be fine, and you'll get up and go home. But there might be a small chance that it might be ovarian cancer. You might want to have, you know, some family members here to stay with you to help take care of your kids if by some small chance you're under observation in the hospital for a couple extra days because we had to do a slightly larger surgery, um, which, of course, all came true mm-hmm. and uh, just floored me. Apparently, my mother knew from the get-go because she's psychic or something. <laughs> um, we, need, we need to have her as part of yeah, like a we, medical team or something. She, she should have been on the screening process, I think. <laughs> Um, but I woke up, um, and the room was, it, it was dark outside. I went, I went to the hospital for a, I don't know, two o'clock procedure or something. And they said, well, the laparoscopy will take about 45 minutes. So, um, you know, it'll probably be a quick procedure, but by some small chance, if there's maybe some tumor activity, we'll have to keep you under surgery for a little longer. Well, and I woke up and it was dark outside. <laughs> what now? How old were you when this happened? You said thirty-four. Thirty-four. Okay. Thirty-four. Um, I've never had a medical thing wrong with me in my life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except um, a dislocated kneecap. Ooh, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, never. I had mono when senior year in high school. Like, oh, naughty girl. Really, right? <laughs> really basic medical ailments and right. nothing to indicate anything of this magnitude. Um, but I woke up and it was dark outside and um, oh, I no, that's not, seven that's not hours oh, wow. in the OR debulking all the massive spread of tumor that was everywhere in my abdomen and pelvis. It was just so everywhere. they couldn't tell that with the MRI? They couldn't tell that. It's um, the way ovarian cancer grows is it's an epithelial cancer, which means it grows on the surface of organs. Oh, it oh. doesn't burrow in like some other um, kinds of tumors. So it just coats everything on the outside. Oh. So it coated the inside lining of my peritoneum. It had coated 
you know, the ovaries and infiltrated those. Um, it had coated um, my diaphragm, that sort of thing. Um, so they didn't take out as many organs, okay. but they took all the tumor off it. Mm-hmm. It was it was wrapped around my bowel, so they had to take out, I think, three or four inches of my sigmoid colon. Oh. Um, which made for a fun recovery because they kept saying, did you pass gas yet? Did you pass gas yet? We need to know when you pass gas, then you can go home. I was like, I can't believe I'm talking to strangers about my bowel moments. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but You're like, come, um, on, come here, I'll let you smell. Come on. Right, exactly. <laughs> I can't imagine you'd miss it if I did. Um, yeah, if they so, remove that much of your colon, I can exactly. like, okay, time to go. Woo. Right. Yeah, that was an interesting process, getting that moving again. Um, but yeah, I was in the hospital for five days recovering from the hysterectomy and, wow. um, it was, um, it was really big deal all of a sudden. And I was completely not prepared cause I thought, well, you know, three days to recover from the laparoscopy and I'll be back on my feet. And right. that clearly wasn't going to be the case. So how long did it take you to recover from the hysterectomy? Um, it took a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I had an incision from basically the bottom of my sternum to the top of my pubic bone, basically as Ooh. far as they could open me, they did. You're making my stomach hurt right now. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but they had to, they wanted to get in as much as they could and right. take out as much of the tumor mass as they could. So they did a great, the surgeon was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So my OBGYN scrubs in on the third Thursday of every month with the um, gynecologic oncologist. Oh, okay. Um, just in case the case she has that morning turns out to be someone like me who needs far more um, involved surgery than just a simple laparoscopic cyst removal. It was She planned it that way, but I didn't know she planned it that way because I was clearly in denial about the magnitude of <laughs> right. or the potential magnitude of the situation. Well, they just kind of brushed it off. I mean... Right. It was not, it was not given sort of any... Right, major import by any of the doctors or anybody who was talking to me about it. So, but I think you know, and I and you know that you're trying trying to change this, and I am. As it doesn't matter your age, you know. Right, exactly. That's well. I'm very fortunate that my doctor did take my symptoms casually right. mentioned in the street mm-hmm. as seriously as she did, because most people that I hear of who get diagnosed in their 30s have been trying for years to get someone to take them seriously. Oh, and goodness. the doctors say, well, you're way too young to have ovarian cancer. There's no way you could be that sick. Not oh. a chance. Here's some Xanax and here's some <laughs> Prilosec and go home and take a nap and don't work so hard. And Stay they, away from Mexican food. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So I'm very, very lucky that everybody started working toward what if it is bad instead of right. poo-pooing my symptoms. Mm-hmm. So the doctors... The GYN oncologist came in to visit me and said, um, this is what you have. It was st- uh, stage 3C mm-hmm. papillary serous um, adenocarcinoma. I can never remember the whole spiel. But it basically meant that not only had the tumor um, invaded and covered my ovaries, mm-hmm. that was the origin of the tumor, right. but it had also infiltrated my lymph nodes, my oh. pelvic lymph nodes, oh. and had spread, but had not yet showed up in any other 
organs. Okay. Which would have made it a stage four. I see. Um, so that diagnosis and that stage level from the pathology department set out a pretty, um, a pretty um, standard protocol of care, okay. which the, the hot new ticket for in 2006 was interperitoneal and IV chemotherapy, where not only do they put the chemo in your veins, which is mm-hmm. what most people think of right. when they think of chemo, but they also put a port in your stomach and they basically flood your abdominal and pelvic cavities with chemo. So it's actually landing on the places where the tumor cells are growing and trying to eradicate wow. any cells that may have been missed um, by, the, by the initial surgery. And so it, fortunately, the uh, oncologist who had operated on me was one of, I think, five people in the state who was currently offering this treatment. Oh, wow. So I was like, yes, I want the hot, <laughs> yes. new, aggressive, mm-hmm. you know, invasive, get in there and get it out of me. Exactly. Because I'm once and done, I'm going to take care of this now, and then I don't have to think about it ever again. Right. Only I never really paid attention to the statistics that said people who were diagnosed at stage 3C have a 35% chance of living five years or longer. But I didn't pay any attention to that because clearly that wasn't me. I never was tell me way the too odds. young and way too healthy and you know, I'd never eaten poorly. I, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't a chain smoker or a regular drinker or anything. I was you know, the picture of fitness and health and exactly. vitality. And there's no way I'm going to be that sick. Only I was. So how long did the chemo last? So that chemo lasted... Um, Let's see, I started in June. Mm-hmm. I had to wait for my colon resection oh. to heal before mm-hmm. they put the IP, the interperitoneal port in because they didn't want the chemo interfering with the healing right. of the colon resection. It's all very complicated. So actually, after the surgery, after I healed from the surgery and before I started the chemo, kind of early June, I felt better than I had in probably 18 months since my son was born. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah, because finally all the tumor mass was out of there. And I was feeling great. I was feeling strong and healthy. And I was looking forward to my summer. What I didn't realize is that this chemo protocol has um, one of the lowest qualities of life. Oh, really? Of any protocol out there. At the time, That's yeah, that's what I was told. So I did six cycles of this IP and tax, I mean, IP, cisplatin, and Taxol. Ooh, my favorite. And IV Taxol. So all my hair fell out. I had Mm -hmm. terrible fatigue. Yes. Um, Fortunately, there are excellent anti-nausea medications, so Mm -hmm. I never actually threw up. I never got nauseous either. I got nauseous, but I never never actually threw up. Okay. Just there were days when I didn't feel like eating. Mm -hmm. Um, And that lasted through the summer, which is a bummer because I live... Live, live for three months between. Because <laughs> you live in Boston, exactly. The summer is, is it. Yep. Is the key. It's, um, right. It's sacrosanct. You shouldn't mess with my summer. But we had to. Um, and I was willing to make the sacrifice because I had these two cute little boys at home mm-hmm. that I was not ready to leave yet. So right. every day I felt like giving up or not getting out of bed or whatever. I'd think, you know, you got two kids, you got two kids. I have a beautiful husband who 
Um, I was also concerned about leaving, but I knew that he would be more resilient than the kids. I just I couldn't spare the the energy to worry about him. I had right. to focus on getting myself through the treatment, and the kids were the best incentive. Because like you could ever imagine, your husband, my fiance, is a worry wart, so he had enough worry right. for everyone. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. He was comfortable <laughs> with with his role as chief worrier, um, and uh, it was you know there were a few uncomfortable moments, but mm-hmm. um, you know we made it through, and I had <clears throat> eleven months of remission after that first round of treatment. Excellent. They took my IP port out. Um, Although it turned out that um, whether it was from the surgery or from the chemo, um, the cisplatin has had can have a very toxic effect on the kidneys. Oh. So my right kidney started backing up. It's just it was it was um, the ureter from the kidney to the bladder was scarified enough from the effects of the chemo or from the debulking surgery itself that uh, it made it, it just slowed down the flow mm-hmm. of urine. So I had to have um, stents, bilateral stents installed um, in those ureters to just prop them open a little bit so the urine would drain more frequently. So all the toxins in the urine didn't right. spend too much time in my kidneys and mm-hmm. kill them. So that was sort of um, that was uncomfortable, but... I know, because when you no. read, when you read like, oh, yeah, this chemo can cause other cancers and blah, right. blah, 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 you're like, seriously, come on now. Don't do me any favors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's really um, tough sometimes to pick, do right. I want to take this thing that could cause potential, you know, do we, do we treat the devil that is now, right. or do we worry about treating the devil that might be four years from now, or you know, what's the best road to take, and I just kind of started charging like a bull and I didn't stop. And, you know, if I were going to live 20 more years, I'd probably have some way more serious uh, kidney issues, but right. I'm just not worried about having had 30 CT scans in the past 12 months. It's just oh. not, not keeping me up at night. Not worried about liver cancer. No. Anymore. no. So when did you start blogging and become uh, the Carsonista? I started blogging, um, in November of 2009, mm-hmm. and I had I had sort of avoided the whole um, support group, yes, um, meeting friends online kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, I was pretty comfortable. My husband and I started seeing a therapist. Um, That's good. In fall of 2008, I think. No, it was later than that. Anyway, is that a, um, through the through your hospital? No, actually, um, I just went online and found a family and marriage therapist okay. in my area. Basically, I wanted to have somebody on board with my family mm-hmm. who knew the history um, of my story and my family's story and how we worked together and um, had a little background on my kids. So I specifically wanted somebody who worked with kids, and this guy does. Um, in the event of my demise, mm-hmm. I wanted somebody to be there and available who my husband wouldn't have to then start from ground zero and try to explain right. what had happened over the previous five years. I wanted this guy to be, 
you know, aware of me and have known me some um, to be able to help my family through my death. And uh, it actually turned out to be a godsend. Yes. We, um, we buried a lot of the stupid little marital hatchets that you yes. build up the little resentments and he always does this and she never does this. And we learned, you know, better ways to argue with each other. And, <laughs> There's better um, ways to argue. <laughs> yeah, there are better ways to argue, better ways to talk to our children, um, how to transfer stress from parenting issues um, to, you know, constructive energy or whatever. Um, we just, we learned a lot about our relationship with mm-hmm. each other, which in turn has helped us become better parents. Um, so we, st- I started meeting with this guy, um, I guess it was September of 2009, and I was explaining to him why um, I wasn't in a therapy group or in a support group or anything. And he said, well, it sounds like, you know, you're really balanced. You're really coming through this as well as can be expected. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of sharing your story with other people in the w- a way that you could be helpful to them? Right. And I thought, well, you know, I haven't because that just sounds really snotty. Like, <laughs> I'm so healthy. I'm going to spread my health all over the world. This is my um, story. Blah. Yeah. But, but I, I answered a couple questions on planet cancer or something mm-hmm. one night and I realized that there were young ovarian cancer patients out there right. and who were trying to balance, you know, preschool pickup with getting out of chemo in time and how, what am I going to make for dinner that everybody's going to eat but that mm-hmm. won't drain all the minuscule portion of energy that I have left in my body for the rest of the day. Right. Um, so I started answering a couple questions and I thought, you know, I, maybe I really can learn some things about myself and about this community, and maybe I can offer to be helpful. So aside from the fact that I had at least five different family members who were bugging me, <laughs> would you please write your story? Would you please write your story? Would you please write your story somewhere? Please write. So um, that was one of this, and then I just selfishly wanted to do the cathartic part of blogging. Right. Um, but I think that's the best part about blogging, even if you don't, well, even if you just write a journal and no one sees it. Right. Yeah. You know. And I had been, I had been sporadically writing in a journal, mm-hmm. um, but it takes too long to, for me to write handwritten mm-hmm. what is running through my brain. And now it's amazing. I can type faster than I can write, but I can. Um, so I started writing this blog in November of 2009 mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was small and it was read by my friends. And then um, I was spending more time online looking at other ovarian cancer blogs and then at other cancer blogs mm-hmm. and then at other, you know, illness blogs. And I, at the more I got, became aware of the rest of this community, um, the more involved I got. And I started commenting on other people's stuff and, um, you know, having opinions and sharing advice. And then people started finding out about my blog and all of a sudden people were saying, Oh, you, you really were able to express what I've been thinking, but unable to say. And Mm -hmm. I thank you so much for writing that. And you're so, your honesty is really refreshing. And so I got a lot of ego boosts from the comments (laughs) and that felt good. And, um, just started making friends with the other young cancer bloggers out there. And, 
it's really an underserved community in terms of of thinking about the issues that young cancer patients experience. And I, I noticed agree. when I went to chemo, I was the youngest person by 20 years. Yes. And I thought these people are worried about whether they're going to get out in time to make it to the far end of the early bird special at Presley's. <laughs> and I'm worried about whether I'm going to get out in time to get to the store and get home and defrost some chicken before my husband arrives at six. Right. So it, there's definitely um, an altruistic as well as an egomaniacal <laughs> source behind my blogging. Yes. But uh, I'm really, I'm really having fun with it. And I've gotten a lot of, a, a lot of good feedback and a lot of um, ego stroking. It's been nice. <laughs> See, now the funny thing is, is when I wrote my blog and I put it out there and I get kudos, like you say, I was just like, well, I just read about right. the crappy stuff that happens to me. Right. You know, right. and it's, and it always amazes me, like, cause I have one of those, I don't know, Google analytics or whatever. Yep. And it's just like someone in Pago Pagos reading my blog, whatever, exactly. Indonesia. It's like, wow, really? Exactly. You know, I mean, young adult cancer is everywhere. I mean, it is. It's, it's just a shame. I know. I'm, like like you said, I was at a hospital event, and uh, I felt like I was at the 5 o'clock dinner at, at Friendly's. Right? You know. Yep. So. We're, we're so young. Mm-hmm. Um, we shouldn't have cancer. No. We're way too cute. We are. And adorable. Cute and adorable people. Cute and, and adorable fit people, people should not get sick. Exactly. Absolutely not. But anyway, <laughs> if I'm here, right. I'm going to spread a little black humor around mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure, and that's one of the things that's definitely got me through the past five years. Yes. So now that the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, um, I'm going to keep blogging about choosing the low road. Well, now, some of my listeners may not know what the cat okay. out of the bag is, so why don't you uh, explain Letting that? Letting the cat out of the bag is um, choosing to pull the plug on treatment, mm-hmm. which I did officially about 10 days ago now. Okay. Um, and I have tried clinical trials and clinical trials and conventional treatments. And um, once my cancer had metastasized to my lungs, Mm -hmm. which it did in summer of 2009, um, there has been nothing that I have taken that has shown any effect whatsoever on the lung tumors. Mm. Um, Nothing has slowed it down substantially. Nothing has turned it off at all they just keep growing and growing and growing. And so I got to the point where I was switching horses for yet another treatment, right. which might have had a 10%, 5 to 10% chance of possibly slowing down the tumor growth to the tune of one to two weeks maybe of additional lifespan mm-hmm. for a whole new rack of side effects, which include the standard nausea, fatigue, mm-hmm. um, diarrhea, constipation. All the good stuff. The wine list <laughs> yeah. of, uh, yes, is what I call the wine list of uh, exactly. side effects. No, thank you. No, I don't want these. No, I definitely don't want these. So I thought, well, one to two weeks plus constantly feeling like crap is not, that's not enough of a benefit right. to warrant going on another treatment. What else you got? And so they said, well, we could put you on weekly IV Taxol, oh. which the first thing that happens is your hair falls out. Right. And I said, no, I made a promise to myself a couple of years ago that I'm not going to die bald. <laughs> so if all you've awesome. got is two weeks of baldness and nausea and fatigue and constipation and diarrhea, 
then I'm going to go with no on that one too. Mm -hmm. And they really didn't have anything else for me. So I said, well, then I guess we're done. And I felt really confident about saying I'm through with treatment. Mm -hmm. I have spent five years battling this disease. Mm -hmm. Um, I did better than anybody expected me to. Um, Certainly um, bled every fabulous cancer institution in the Northeast dry of <laughs> clinical trials right. and such. Now, where did you get your treatment at, by the way? I, didn't ask um, I started out at Tufts Medical Center mm-hmm. um, with the oncologist who did my initial debulking. And then I had a second debulking in October of 2007, um, which also included um, hyperthermic interperitoneal chemotherapy lavage, which is basically they hook, they hook my abdomen up while I'm open on this on the OR table, they they put a set up a pump that circulates hot chemo through my abdomen through my oh, open wow. abdomen wow. for seven to nine hours because the 140 degree chemotherapy has been shown to kill is like 40 percent more effective at killing cancer cells or kills it, it, it kills cancer cells but it doesn't affect a healthy body cells. Oh, okay. So if you heat it up this much, it will be more likely to kill the cancer cells while simultaneously leaving your own body's healthy cells alone. Okay. So I had that 11-hour procedure. Good Lord. That it took me four months to recover from. Um, also at Tufts, mm-hmm. cutting-edge procedure. The guy had just arrived from Pittsburgh where the, um, the protocol was pioneered for um, stomach cancer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked great for me. I, you know, I did finish that in treatment, and then I had um, seven months of remission. It was great. But starting um, in January of the following year, 2009, when I could tell I was having a recurrence, mm-hmm. I was well enough related to my body that time that I could, I could pick out that I was having increasing symptoms, and this is paining me here, and this is why I feel like this, and I knew something was growing, so I... Um, I went to Dana Farber, mm-hmm. which is the basically the best of the best, and right. I wanted the options that their clinical trials department could give me, and I knew that there would be stuff coming down the road. Always, you know, there's another one around the corner, and because I was young and healthy, aside from the cancer, right. the clinical trials department would just salivate when I would walk in the door because <laughs> I don't have liver problems, I don't have kidney problems. I don't have diabetes. I don't have high blood pressure. I'm just healthy as an ox, except for this damn cancer thing. Right. Um, so it, they had plenty of things to offer me, but unfortunately, nothing was working on the lung vets. So I just, I, I said, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. You guys did the best that you could. And I think everybody has been working really hard, but um, I, I, I can't imagine that had nothing having worked to this point, we're going to find something. Right that's going to do a better job than anything else that we've tried so far. And so I said, I'm, I'm finished with treatment. I'm just done. What Mostly you- I want to, if I have a month left, mm-hmm. I want to be with my family as much as I can. Exactly. And I want, I want them to remember me as happy mommy, not bitchy mommy. <laughs> um, because Well, you can the, be bitchy mommy sometimes. Well, I have to be bitchy mommy sometimes, right. but... The sicker I get, the less tolerant I am. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, if they're squabbling or something and I'm feeling really awful, like 
chemo bad. Mm-hmm. I just have to be away from them. Right. And that's not doing anybody any favors. Why am I alive at all for that point? Exactly. So um, I said, I'm through with treatment and I'm going to have a great month mm-hmm. being with my family and then I'm done. Is that what they they gave you as, as a um, time? They didn't or? really specify. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, I think that's better that they don't. Yeah, and they wouldn't, I don't think they want to. Um, But just judging by my symptoms and how they change from day to day, Mm -hmm. um, I I think a month is probably a fair um, guess at this point. I think you have to stick around at least to (laughs) see the Bruins try to win the uh, Stanley Cup. Because they're playing the Canadians tonight, but... Okay, well, I'll I'll make it through that one. (laughs) Make it through the Um, game tonight. I was hoping to make it through this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, my older son's birthday is um, Memorial Day weekend, oh. and my younger son's birthday is Labor Day weekend. So I was hoping to make it through their birthdays, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So now I just want it to not my death to not fall on their birthday, right. either of their birthdays. But um, you know, I'm I'm comfortable with the decision, mm-hmm. um, and. Every day that my symptoms get a little worse, I think, am I really comfortable with this decision? Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really am. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm tired, and I'm tired of fighting, right. and I'm tired of feeling crummy. And you don't so, want to, and you don't want to have the side effects. I'm like you right, said, I don't want to. Your... I don't want to try anything else because right. they're not working. So I don't want to put myself in pain for the tiny little potential of mm-hmm. a brief moment of improvement, which I wouldn't be around to take the benefit from because I'd be in bed avoiding screaming at people. <laughs> so I just, I, I'm, I'm going out with some dignity and all my hair. And plays a glory on yeah. Facebook. You know, right. and I was really surprised when I saw your post on a uh, chemo babes uh, Facebook page and I was oh, like, yeah. wow, you know, just, I mean, I don't know. And I'm sure you hear this a lot. I don't know if I would be able to, I don't want to say brave because that's kind of cliche uh, yeah. as a cancer survivor. You know, I don't know if right. it'd be hard to make that decision to just say, all right, you know what? I'm done. Yeah, you it know. was, it was a hard decision. It was more of a hard decision to get to right. than to actually make the decision. I mean, I feel like this, the circumstances really, really helped me know what was the right decision right. for me. And you probably feel like a weight has been lifted. That's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. So now the the decision has been made. I feel good about the decision that I made. And that's, that's a big deal for me. Those who don't know me, um, when I was growing up, if I had to make a decision, like choose between buying the bloop sneakers and the pink sneakers or choosing between the ice cream sundae or the chocolate cake for dessert, I would have my mother write the name of each of the two items that I was choosing between on a piece of paper. Really? And she'd have to hold them behind her back and mix them up, and then I'd pick one. Wow. And ideally, whichever one I picked was the one that I would take, <laughs> only I'd start to take that one, and I'd second-guess myself and say, oh. no, I want the other one. Well, I'm just saying between uh, hot fudge sundae and chocolate cake, I do both. Right. But that's just me. Right. Hot fudge sundae on top of the chocolate cake. Yeah. Well, clearly that would have been the right choice. But in this case, <laughs> I had to choose hot fudge sundae or a chocolate cake. Right. And I feel like I really, I'm really comfortable with my decision. So mm-hmm. that's how I know that I made the right one for me because 
I'm not feeling guilty about it. I'm still not looking forward to the imminent well, discussion no. with my kids. Oh, they don't know yet? That's the one thing that mm-hmm. we haven't done yet. I see. And my my almost nine-year-old, really, he I think, without having the words on his tongue, he knows what's going on. Right. Um, but my six-year-old is just sort of generically upset and a little cranky all the time. Mm-hmm. But But often, you know, he's happily playing with his brother or reading a book with me or something and just happy to hang out. And that's what I wanted. I just wanted to spend the last bits of time just hanging out with the kids. Right. So that looks like that's what I'm going to be doing for the next month. And I can think of no better way to wrap it up. <laughs> I like that wrap it up. Because uh, ultimately the quality of life is more important than the quantity. Exactly. Although it's it's going to be hard thinking about that when you're not here. Right. Right. You know. And I know, I've told my husband many times, I know in no uncertain terms that I'm getting the easy road out of here. Well, yeah. Like just way to go, Sarah. And not having to deal with any of the fallout or mm-hmm. aftermath or any of that stuff. I know that you're going to you're going to have a crummy year. Right. And I, I wouldn't do that to my best friend. So it really stinks that I have to do that to my best friend. But that's what's going to happen. So, um, you know, I, I just I'm trying to set everybody up now. Right. To have ways to be comforted when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And I can help my husband fill out his Match.com profile. <laughs> So the control freak in me will live on just a little longer. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's willing. Just tell him to stay off Craigslist because that's kind of weird. Right. I think I've already (laughs) mentioned that a few times. Uh, Craigslist. You're like, all of my friends on Facebook say, please stay off Craigslist because that would be kind of... They're chasing you down. They're watching you. They are. We will be watching him. I mean, you know, for sure. Perfect. Absolutely. So... Perfect. um, I know that people will probably want to read your blog until... Is your, will your husband be blogging after? He's he's probably going to send out a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I'm going <laughs> to have a couple posthumous yes. lines ready to go. But I think he'll probably write uh, a couple times after I'm gone, too. Mm-hmm. So there, people are more than welcome to visit uh, com mm-hmm. um, anytime they like. And How did you come up with that title? Um, it's somebody else asked me that a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was, I was looking for something that described me as a person, mm-hmm. but still, um, gave a hint to the fact that it was a cancer blog. Right. And it was just uh, like, just at the time when I started seeing commercials for TJ Maxx, they were Maxinistas, and oh, yes. um, Target was sh- pandering to frugalistas, and I thought, you know, we've got the fashionista thing, so Ista, okay, we'll <laughs> go with that. What's cancery, cancer, bug? and I just played around with it overnight one night. And That's funny. Thought of something as I was falling asleep, and then woke up and couldn't remember it, of course. And so I had to mull it over again most of the morning, but... Carsonista came into my head, and so it's actually been it's actually been great. It's been a great handle. It is a great handle. It's easy for people to remember. Yes, mostly. 
And we will. Uh, well, do you have any? I, I don't want to say parting thoughts, but do you have any words of advice or wisdom that you just want to put out there into the on this uh, podcast? I'll share two words. Well, two topics. Yes. That I'm pretty passionate about. The first one is you're never too young to have cancer. Yes, absolutely. And if you're feeling symptoms, um, it is the doctor's duty to prove to you that you are not sick, mm-hmm. not your job to prove to the doctor that you are. So if <laughs> right. you think you're having these symptoms mm-hmm. and any of these sound familiar to you, please visit your doctor and don't take no for an answer exactly. until he or she has successfully fulfilled your quest to find out the source of your pain. <clears throat> the second thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. is how um, it's taken 18 years of of living with a man to whom I'm very happily mar- married and parenting for, say, six mm-hmm. out of the eight and a half years we've had together as parents before we realized that the best thing is to focus on the building memories with your family mm-hmm. and that it doesn't matter how big the dust bunnies are and any of your friends who seem to care about whether you're served on paper plates or <laughs> the weekday china or the good china mm-hmm. um, when you come over for pizza to hang with the family um, aren't your real friends anyway and that um, building memories is more important than spending money any day of the week. That's true. That's awesome. It's, keep it simple is is something that it's taken us a long time to come back to. Um, it's easy to get lost in the keeping up with the Joneses things, but um, mm-hmm. keeping keeping your marriage simple, keeping your relationship simple, keeping your family life simple and happy is definitely the way to go because we've built some killer memories in just the past year. And it's not that we weren't doing it together before, right. but um, it, it's we've had an excuse now to kind of cut out all the noise, all the white noise that right. surrounds us and focus on each other. And it, we should have done it long before. So you'll be having Papaginos on the, the paper plates tonight? Yes, exactly. I had to throw out that in a little New England reference because I don't have Thank that. Thank you. Oh, that was good. Yes, Papaginos. <laughs> I got you. And, uh, and uh, we're going to ignore the dust bunnies. Yes, exactly. Although you might want to tell my fiance that because, you know, he's a worry or too, so. Well, nothing's going to, nothing's, it's not like they're going to get so sophisticated that they uh, mutiny and take over your house. <laughs> they become other pets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sentient beings voting for representation. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love it. I, and I love your positive attitude, even in Thank the face of, of this. I mean, that's, Thank you. you know, that's essentially what life is all about, actually. Absolutely. You know? And of course, your, your dark sense of humor. Right, the black side gets me through. That's right. You got it. So it's uh the is it Carsonista dot com? The Carsonista. The Carsonista dot com. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's Carsonista dot com. Right. It's Carsonista. See, we both have chemo brains, so there we go. Carsonista dot com. I'll make sure to post that on Empower Radio, Thank uh, you and this so will this will be up on Friday. And I'm going to wrap up like I usually do. This is the Cancer Warrior. You can always find me on Facebook because I am a Facebook junkie, Mel Majoros. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, The Cancer Warrior on EmpowerRadio.com. Check out my new website, TheCancerWarrior.net. And as always, life looks pretty good from where I'm sitting. Sending you good vibes. It's The Cancer Warrior on EmpowerRadio.com.